Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Good to see you. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Colossians. Book of Colossians. We continue in this series that we've been kind of walking through very slowly. It's four chapters, but we're getting a lot out of it so far. We're about halfway through chapter two right now, <clears throat> and we've had some other events along the way that have halted our progress somewhat, but haven't halted our ministry. I wanted to tell you that last, you know, last week, Heather and I did the, the Q&A. How many of you were here for that? Almost all. Okay, it was, we really enjoyed it. Hope you did, but I wanted to just give a testimony. There's a uh, student at Christ for the Nations named Aaron McQuan. Hi, Aaron. I know you're listening. He's from India. He's a fine young man. He loves our church. He says, I, I feel like I'm a member of your church, though I've not been. And, uh, but he's going to be with us uh, when we do baptisms, uh, Memorial Day weekend, and going to get to baptize him. I'm very excited about that. I've been having some struggles physically, uh, a lot of back pain. But listening to that podcast from last week, a Q&A podcast of all things. He said faith came in that moment and he was healed of that pain. So the ministry continues to progress is all I'm saying. And we just keep doing what God's called us to do. You just never know how he's going to use you, what he's going to accomplish in that moment. But you know what I'm convinced of? The more we gather around the word, the more opportunities we give him to inspect us, to help us, to teach us, to heal us, to encounter one another. It's beautiful. Not only him, but each other too. I want you to just take a look at a couple of people around you, you know, maybe even, even long enough to where it's awkward. Just kind of stare at them. And then think about this. For eternity, you're going to be with them. Might as well start liking it right now. <laughs> these are the ones you have forever <laughs> this is a good thing that's one thing I love about church because we really do get a small glimpse of our heavenly experience and that's what makes it exciting it keeps the dream alive it keeps our hopes realized and the church is such a hopeful gathering it's such a hopeful experience I love what you were saying about hope tonight Pastor Brian thank you for that that was very encouraging Okay, we must get into the message. We have some good things to talk about tonight. And we're going to begin in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. I have a, a student here in the room who took homiletics, so I better say it one more time. Colossians 2, verse 13. Did I do right, Julia? Is that Okay. This is Julia. I don't want to embarrass you, Julia, but wave at everybody. Julia was one of the few, the proud, that scored 100 in homiletics. You know what? We need to have you come up on a Wednesday night and preach for our people. Have you come and do your 10-minute message for them. Yeah. Yeah? Would you guys like that? You will like it a lot. This girl, she tore it up. Really proud of her. 
Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, have you found it? And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, I, I, I do have to go back a little bit so that we can keep this train running smooth, all right? And to a little bit what we talked about a couple of weeks ago in this. And just give you a little snapshot and then we'll move forward. You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. What Paul is, is showing us as Gentiles is just how terribly far we were from God by these two statements. One, because of Adam, dead in your trespasses. And the other, it's because we were outside of the covenant people. Circumcision was the seal of the righteousness of God, which comes by faith. It was the seal of a covenant seal. And only God's people had this seal. Only God's people. They were a set-apart people, covenanted people. They had rights and privileges in this covenant that nobody else on planet earth at that time did. So we were outside of the nation of the, of the people of God, cut off in that way from being able to experience those blessings and those who would enjoy the benefits of the law of Moses, the law of God that had come to them. And then also just the spiritual aspect being dead in our trespasses. So we were doubly Troubly. <laughs> it is now. Look at this. So, he, so what Paul is showing us here, he's drawing this contrast. He's, he's showing us how powerless and helpless and dead and gone we were. While we were in this place, he made us alive together with him. Woo! How did he do that? Having forgiven us all trespasses. So, okay, so what does that say? That's saying that if he forgave you, then the sin's forgiven. If the sin's forgiven, then the consequence of death is gone. That's how he made you alive together with him. Well, how alive is Jesus? Well, the scripture says he died once, never to die again. And as alive as he is, so are you, together with him. Oh, isn't that good to know? You are as alive as Jesus is. We were so far from God, but now by his blood, we've been brought near. I love that. Now, verse 14, having wiped out, everybody say wiped out. Ooh, wiped out. The handwriting, the older people might get that. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way. Let's say, out of the way. Out of the way. How did he do that? Having nailed it to the cross. He took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Okay, so there, there was a process of bringing us out of that place of separation from God by our sins, and separation from God by that old covenant. So him forgiving us all of our sins, that took care of the sin issue, didn't it? But he took the handwriting of requirements away. 
which brought us all into the covenant ourselves through a new covenant, through a new and living way as Hebrews teaches. A better covenant established on better promises. Isn't this wonderful? He fixed our issues. He fixed our problems. And the, the handwriting of requirements, now what was the handwriting of requirements? The law. What law? The law of Moses, ultimately the law of God. The law of Moses, ultimately the law of God. God wrote it with his own finger, right? On tablets of stone. And here Jesus has taken it. It was against us. It was contrary to us. That's why I want to remind us, Gentiles, here tonight, that we are not just no longer under the law. The truth is we were never under the law. <laughs> we just never were. It wasn't for us. This is for the, the Jews. Abraham's descendants. And that is what defined him. It's what defined nation, that, uh, Israel as a nation when the law of God came. And now he gave them the laws to live by. And that excluded everybody else in the world. It's really interesting. So God was a major respecter of persons. <laughs> Majorly. Through, he just couldn't get over his friend Abraham. But he had something up his sleeve, and we all know what that mystery that has now been revealed, which is Christ in you Gentiles, the hope of glory. But this is where we're. And so Paul's helping us walk through that and just to see just how redeemed and how wonderful this grace is and how thorough this work was that Jesus accomplished for us. He fixed our problems, my family. He fixed them. Are you hearing me? He fixed them. He said, it's finished. He finished all the work that needed to be done for us to have all the benefits of a relationship with God. And he has taken it out of the way. Wow, having nailed it to the cross. It's, uh, now, this law, it said, when it says taken out of the way, I'm sorry, wiped out there, having wiped out, uh, in, in, the, in the, the Greek it means to blot out. You remember, remember what's going to happen in the book of Revelation? See, when, when God blots something out, it's blotted out. I mean, out. And there is a day coming when, unfortunately, and we want to make that as minimal as possible, help make that as minimal as possible by bringing as many people to heaven with us as we can and to, to, to get our Savior, our champion, as much of the reward that he deserves as possible and his reward is people his reward is us can i remind you tonight you going to heaven is not a reward for something you've done you going to heaven is jesus reward for what he did for you amen well i needed a better amen than that that was amen. that was really good and I, I stole that from my dad i like that anyway Wiped out. So there's coming a day. We understand that God was in Christ. He was reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, which means this is a past, past tense deal. God did it through, through Christ. He was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So God is now seeing, just let's go over just some simple theology for just a moment so that we can get the right perspective for this verse, for this, these next few verses. So God is looking at a sinful world or a reconciled world. 
Is he looking at a sinful world or a reconciled world? God is looking at a reconciled world because he is not imputing our trespasses to us. Are you hearing? In other words, it's saying he's not, he's no longer holding our sins against us. Jesus took care of it. He paid it in full. So now, so that could, that he reconciled us to God and God to us. So now God is looking at a reconciled world. What if we as believers all saw the world as God saw it and preached that message of reconciliation instead of banging people over the head about sin? when God's not holding their sins against them. See, they actually need to hear the real good news. The good news is Christ died for your sins. He's not holding them against you anymore. He was buried and God raised him from the dead. Believe this message. All you got to do is believe believe that he did it for you and you have everlasting life. That's beautiful. That's real good news. But man, it's hard. It's hard for us at times. It's hard for the, for the ones who so badly just want to live by the rules, rules, rules. It's hard for them to stay in the simplicity that is Christ. It's hard for them not to add things to it, to add things to that gospel. Just to make sure. Hey, Jesus made sure. Preacher, you can't make any more sure than he did. Just let him be the sure thing. Exalt him. We are how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Why, you can't just talk about good things? Yeah, apparently you can. It's not I can, it's that he demands us to. He demands us to. Because the truth is, evil is no match for good. Evil can exi- uh, good can exist all by itself, but evil can't without good. Why would we talk about the weaker things? Why would we exalt the weaker things and the greater things? Where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. You got to, no, okay, I got to stop this, okay. He's looking at this reconciled world. So God then, think about this for a moment. Now, I want you to stick with me because I'm, some of my friends would call me a heretic by saying this. That's okay. Sometimes if you don't, you know, if I don't get accused of that from time to time, I kind of wonder if I'm preaching the truth. (laughs) So if God, or since God, is no longer holding our sins against us, and he sees a reconciled world, then in God's mind, the world is saved. Don't leave yet. Just hear me. I'm not going to tell you there's no hell, because there is. But we, we have to see how thorough this work is, family, and how thoroughly settled in God's heart it is. So since he's done everything he can, Now, he leaves it to you and I to believe this. Because he gave us this gift to choose. He already showed us he chose us. But he don't want a one-sided relationship. He wants you to choose him too. 
And so, as it were, he has sent out invitations to everyone to this glorious place. And the invitation reads like this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's how you RSVP, is to believe, is to claim your reservation by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. The sad thing is, there will be those who never claim their reservation. And so they will stand before God. Think about this. Hey, they, all of us are going to. So let us, let us not get too haughty about judgment day. <laughs> now, we get to be bold in that day because we're children of God. But let's remember, it's still a terrifying day. The scripture says it's the great and terrible day of the Lord. <laughs> all of us are going to give an, an account of our lives. But what is interesting is those who don't believe are going to stand before God and they're going to stand there with no faith. With no claim to their reservation. And God had their name written there. I had a place for you here. There's going to be a lot of tears shed. And I think a lot of them are going to be by God himself when he has to blot their name out because he's not going to force salvation on them. I did everything I could. All you had to do was accept. If you don't want to accept, all right, that's your choice. How could a God send people to hell? He doesn't. They send themselves to hell. God doesn't send people to hell. God made a way for all of us to come to heaven. Hmm? But men have the right to reject it if they want to. Problem is, there's only one other place that they, they, they go. And it's not good. And it's real. And it's eternal. But I'm, I'm pretty convinced that the church has, has done a lot of, has done a great injustice to this message and to the world in many ways by adding man-made thoughts and reasons and philosophies to the beautiful good news that is the gospel. And that's why I'm determined that we're going to keep preaching Christ and Him crucified, buried and risen again, because that's the hope for all mankind. Can I get a good amen tonight? Amen. Let's turn to Romans 8. Are you okay? You're learning something? It is not... See, here's what's so cool, that not only was this law wiped out or blotted out the handwriting requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. See, now, now the Jews do not see that the law was against them or contrary to them. You know what James calls it? The perfect law of liberty. The law is a blessing to the people of God. But Paul says for us here, it was against us. It was contrary to us, And he has taken it out of the way. That is, he took that thing which was separating us, that middle wall, if you will, that, that nepotism <laughs> to where he just decided, okay, I'm just going to love all of you and favor all of you like you're my sons. Like Brother Charlie says, I'm God's favorite son. I love that. 
Charlie, if you're watching this, we need you back here. These pe- they don't amen like you do. I mean, I, I, love, I love everybody here. And I appreciate some of their attempts at amen. But nobody says it like you do. Can I get a good amen? amen. All right, okay, good. We love you, Charlie and Roxanne, Steve and Tawana, and all of you who are watching. We love you very much. Blessings to you. There is therefore, Romans 8, there is therefore now. So he nailed it to his cross. There is therefore now. Say now. Now Now what? No condemnation. To those who are where? In Christ Jesus. Where you got to be? If you're going to be free from condemnation, where you got to be? In Christ Jesus. So this is about a position, isn't it? Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Right? Those who are in... Now, now we're going to talk about this in, for just a moment. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, I'm going to tell you, I love the Scriptures, and I believe the Bible. And I believe it's inspi- it is inspired by God. But there are a couple of glitches along the way where the translators got in the way of the real deal. And this part in this verse was added by the translators, it is not in the original manuscript. If you read the Jewish Bible, which I do read from, from time to time, I do encourage you to read that sometime. Jewish New Testament and Old Testament, really powerful. It doesn't have this, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If you read the uh, uh, NAS, it does not have it. I don't think the NLT has it. They don't have, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It because it, it was just too difficult for some of their legalistic minds to grasp that that's all it is. The position in Christ equals no condemnation. But again, see, that's why I'm saying we have a propensity toward legalism. And to add, oh, that's just too good to be true. Just leave it as it is. There is therefore now, say now, now. no condemnation to those who are in. All right. Now watch, verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, you see where we still are, where are we? We are in what? In Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So being in Christ, I've been free from the law of sin and death. Well, absolutely there's no condemnation. The law of sin and death is if you sin, you die. That's the wages of sin is death. But since that's not the case for you, What do you have to be condemned about? Christ died. Now watch, verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. What law are we talking about? We're talking about God's laws. It says God's law was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Now, what that means is, it's kind of interesting wording. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. What that means is that Jesus came as a man. But he did not have Adam's nature, the sinful nature. He had his father's nature. So he was in the likeness of sinful, sinful flesh, but he was not born a sinner like we were. Okay? Because, because sin is passed down. Through Adam. Like Eve didn't do a thing and she ate the fruit first. 
This is pretty harsh, God. <laughs> Watch, verse 4. Now, 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 watch this. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now we've got this in the right place. In us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now let me help you understand what this is saying, because I used to get really confused at this thinking that righteousness had something to do with how I walked. So in order to understand what it means, we have to first see what it does not mean, what it's not saying. Is that okay? It does not say that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us as long as we walk according, as long as we do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's how I've read that. I read that for many years. As long as you told the line, holler. That's how the righteousness will be fulfilled. No, no, no. Okay, let's just say this. You're at a restaurant. You finish your meal, and then you ate really good this night. Just, just name something that you ate that, that filled you up. Somebody. Steak. Steak. Pizza, lobster. You've got to eat a lot of lobster to get full. But I'd be willing. <laughs> Heather, crawfish. You should see this girl eat crawfish. Somewhere down deep inside, she is. She abandons all that it is to be dignified when she gets around crawfish. But she sure is beautiful while she's eating it. I, did I redeem that? <laughs> it may be. So the waiter comes over and says, and offers the dessert menu. I can't do that. I can't do that. I am stuffed. I, I can't do dessert tonight. Now, upon hearing that, the waiter is going to help you. Spend more money. He says, okay, well, maybe, maybe you can't do the cobbler or the triple chocolate cake tonight. That's pretty rich. But we have creme brulee. And creme brulee is a really light and fluffy dessert. It's almost like you never ate it. And who does not love to take that spoon and crack through that blow-torched surface and thrust it down in that creamy goodness. This truly is a night to remember. <laughs> this will put the final touches on your meal tonight, on your dining experience. Well, since you put it that way... <laughs> I guess I can have dessert. No, you can't. You're full. But if the waiter comes to your table and says, mm -hmm, you have the dessert menu, and you say, I don't do dessert, that conversation is over. It's over. I don't do dessert. You see, what, you see the difference between identity 
and permissiveness. Now watch. This is interesting. We in Christ don't walk according to the flesh. This is what this is saying. Not well. I'm not supposed to. No, we don't because we're in him. So we don't live by the dictates of the flesh. We live by the spirit. Are you hearing me? Man, this will change your whole perspective. Your life won't be about behavior. It'll be about knowing who you are. Therefore, knowing what you do and don't do. I can or I can't do usually is said by someone who can be persuaded either way. Can I get an amen, amen. Or, or an oh me, one of them? Because they believe that their Christianity or the, the, the quality of their Christianity is based upon what they can or cannot do. Mm. I do or I don't do is someone who is persuaded by who they are in Christ. See, their identity is not in them, it's in him. It's not in what can I do. It's not even in my personal liberties. Because my family, there is a higher law than the law of liberty. Paul said, all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. He says, there's no law against me to do anything. He said, but I've learned something in this maturing process. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. Because love trumps liberty any day of the week. So don't make a stand for your liberties over the opportunity to show love. Almost through. Go to Romans 10. A couple more verses to just finish up this thought. Wow, wow, wow. Man, Eric, you didn't get anywhere where you wanted to. Romans chapter 10, verse 4. Romans chapter 10, verses 4. We'll read 4 and 5. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to who? Is that you? Okay. I just need you to make, some, make sure you see you here. All right, this one, the Bible really comes alive and relevant. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to us, to everyone who believes. Any, any believers in here? Then you qualify right here. This means you. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. Now watch this. The man who does those things shall live by them. What he's saying is, if you do this, then you will reap the blessing of doing it. You'll live in that, that blessing. In other words, the consequence. If you do the law, if you do what's right, then you get what's right. If you don't do what's right, then you don't get what's right. Okay, let's just stay right there for a moment. Now let's go to Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3. Yes, I know we're in Colossians. We'll come back around. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Brooke, I want to thank you. I didn't give her any of these scriptures ahead of time. Isn't she doing awesome? Philippians 3, 8. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, 
for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Watch. Verse 9. And be found where? Where are we going to be found? In Him. Come on, shout, in Him. And be found in Him. And this is what in Him looks like. Not having my own righteousness. Watch. Which is from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Not righteousness from the law. Righteousness from God. Because the righteousness from the law is a tough way to live. It's a tough righteousness to get. As a matter of fact, really the only righteousness that you get from the law is self-righteousness. That's what Paul said. I got my own righteousness from the law. Ooh, and you know what? And he was. Well, he was a Pharisee. He said he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Just in the prior verses, Paul kind of lays out his uh, resume under the law. First, he talked about where he came from, made sure that you understood he's, he's authentic and that he is an authority on the subject. Circumcised on the eighth day from the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of Pharisees. And then he says something most peculiar in verse 6 concerning the law, blameless. You talk about a guy who is consumed with the rules. Can this be true? He said, when it came to the law of God, I was faultless. Wow. Now, he, that, this, this is what he's telling all of us. He says, I, I, I was more zealous than all those that were zealous. Huh? They only thought they were hardcore. No, they're posers. I was the hardcore one. I was the one. And concerning the law, I can say that I was blameless concerning. Wow, think about that. Because here's the deal with the law. Here's, the, here's, here's the, the message from the law. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble at one point, he's guilty of all the law. Man, that's a tough rule. If you break one rule, you broke all of them. Wow. Paul said, I was faultless. I didn't break any rules. And yet, even though following that law faultlessly, Paul said, the righteousness that I found was self-righteousness. All he gained from that was how to be a massive jerk. <laughs> it is a great deception to believe you're right when you're dead in your sins. Self-righteousness cannot and will not ever save you from your sins. But it will sure help you sin because it's the greatest sin. We have to stop there. I don't want to, but we have to. 813, honey, that's our anniversary. Oh, y'all are easy. <laughs> I hope this has helped you, strengthened you, encouraged you. There's so much to this. Like I said, when you get into Paul's letters, especially 
these letters, when you get into Ephesians and, and, and Colossians, these two, they, they, there's, Paul opens us up to this reality of what it is to be in him. In him, in him, in, in him, in him, in him. Now, we are going to get to the practical things, the walking. But we first have to know the position before we know how to walk. We first need to know who we are and where we are in him so that this doesn't try to earn what he earned for us. So we don't cross those lines. We don't muddy the waters that we understand who we are. We are in him because he did it when we were powerless to do it, dead and uncircumcised, which means we had no, we were far, far, far from God, and God did that for us. So in him, Ephesians and Colossians are both like this. Ephesians is six chapters, Colossians is four. They call them the sister books or the mirror books. Some, some of the wording is word for word. But half of the book, the first half of each of those books is all about who we are in him, all about our identity in Christ, and the next half is all about how we live it out. It's beautiful. All right, so we're going to get into, we're going to be stepping over it, but I have to give you the theology of this. I have to give you, help you understand who you are. Then you won't wrestle so much with trying to get in the right position with God. When you're in Him, you are in the best position possible. Amen. Just through faith in Jesus. That's the only righteousness that counts. It's faith in Him. It's where you finally say, I'm giving up on you, Eric, and I'm putting all my trust in Him. Because you are a loser at this. Right? Amen. I'll lead you with, leave you with one bit of wisdom, a quote from a very wise sage, sage of the ages. If once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Consume you it will. That is the life of living by the law. <laughs> Dr. Yoda. There's a lot of wisdom in it. That's right. And that's the law too, right? It's do or don't do. There is no try. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. That the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us who are in Christ, in us who do not live by the flesh, but by the Spirit. Thank you that we got our righteousness as a gift through faith in Christ. You gifted us righteousness. You accounted righteousness to us by our faith in you. And thank you, Lord, that today, in this moment, our reality as your children is that we are faultless. <laughs> Not because we keep the rules, but because we are found in him. Not having a righteousness of our own, but righteousness, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you that you didn't leave us out here in the darkness, in the despair in our separation, in our hopelessness, even when we were dead in our trespasses, you came and found us. You came to us, Jesus, and you rescued us, and you brought us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Help us, God, to be awake and aware of this truth daily. 
that we are in him. We are positioned in you, God. Sons, sons of God. Sons of the living God. Thank you, Lord. I pray, God, tonight that your people would grow in this grace, would grow in this truth, would grow in this revelation more and more so that the things, sins, and weights would easily fall away because your word says that sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law. That is, you're not living by the rules. You are under grace. Thank you, Lord. I can't leave here tonight without asking if anybody needs prayer for healing. If you need prayer for healing right now, just raise your hand where you're seated. Any, any kind of sickness, disease, pain, whatever it may be, our God is our healer. And, and we always want to make opportunities here. Take these opportunities in this gathering of believers, in this atmosphere of faith, because the truth is, the atmosphere of faith and expectation, this is where miracles happen. This is where they are most prominent. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you right now. If, you, if you're next to someone who has their hand up, let's also follow what Jesus said as believers. Lay hands on them, and we're going to see them recover in Jesus' name. Do a little body ministry here tonight in Jesus' name. Father, thank you right now, Lord, for this prayer of agreement that we're all bringing up to you. You said if you agree as touching anything on earth that we ask, anything that we ask, it shall be done. And where two or three are in agreement, Lord, you're here in our midst. And if you're here, all the healing power is here. All your goodness is here. All your miracle power is here. And I just declare right now that miracles are released in Jesus' name. Miracle power. Thank you, Lord. Healings and miracles in Jesus' name. Lord, Lord, I thank you right now that, that these bodies will be at their optimum. You've created our bodies to heal themselves. But, Lord, where the body cannot, we know you still can. Lord, where the body doesn't have the ability... Our God does. And that's where the miracles are known. So, Father, I just think however this comes, whether it's through a miracle from God, a God intervention, or whether it's just through how you created us, God, we know right now that healing is in place, that recovery is happening now. We're not settling for anything less than what you have for us. And you have brought us not just a little f better feeling, but wholeness. And we declare they are whole now in Jesus' name. Say this with me. I am healed through his gift of healing. I am healed. Because Jesus paid for it. His body was broken. So my body is healed. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.